Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (laughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks. Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. squad and welcome to ranks fc it's your favorite football podcast back for another week my name is jack collins and i'll be your host there and joining me is my co-host mr dean jones how you doing mate i'm very good mate i'm very good it's been um yeah it's been a pretty uh quiet week really on the transfer front so far um there's a lot of rumour, but not a lot of bite out there. Um, maybe that will change in the last week or so when clubs and players get a little more desperate or anxious. But um, yeah, it's just been a bit of uh, checking out stories and not taking them as far as I'd like to. But as we said before, there will be gold at the end of this tunnel in the end, mate. Um, so I will, I'm going to keep ploughing on with that one. And yeah, it's it's an interesting uh, week of football coming up. Obviously, it's... Um, a lot of uh, FA Cup stuff on the agenda, isn't there, coming up um, yeah. for, for Fulham as well. So we got um, an interesting, well, I think a really interesting story, actually. I'm going to actually lead us into things we love on this one because the thing I kind of love right now is that Jose Mourinho just got sacked. You probably don't love that, do you? No, I don't. I don't. I, I think that this is a really weird move from Roma because yes they are struggling in the league and yes it hasn't been great and there have been some some pretty poor performances out there but I do think that they're almost in a position where it almost feels like they can't really do anything they're stuck in limbo so for which point paying out Mourinho six months before the end of his contract with them still in the conference league obviously the trophy that he won with them in their in his first year there 
it feels like a really bizarre move for me, kind of from all standpoints. Why not just let this take its natural course? Less than eight days ago, there were fans in the Olympico as Roma played Atalanta, ended, you know, as a one-all draw. But they were absolutely chanting Mourinho's name. There were banners saying, Mourinho's, you know, please stay with us. Please sign an extension. Please, you know, he understands it. And that's the thing with this. I think Mourinho got Roma and I think he got the fans and he understood so much about what they wanted. Yes, things weren't perfect. Yes, they missed out on those Champions League spots. They were slightly unlucky not to win the Europa League, I thought, last season, given the way that that final played out. And also given the fact it's severe and this is just what they do. But I think overall, it's been a really interesting couple of years for Roma under Mourinho. And I hesitate to add that, you know, there were some some real caveats to this. There was the issues with derbies. He couldn't seem to really get one over on Lazio over the last year and a half or so. It's been a been an eight, you know, an issue in the city and obviously in a, a game that matters that much to the people of the city, that's a big black mark against your name. But just the way that this has panned out and them appointing Daniele De Rossi, we'll talk about it in a minute. It's an interesting one. It's going to be fun. But I just don't see how this improves without him there. And I think that they've made a mistake here. <laughs> Look, the reason I began talking about this point was because I said, you know, obviously there's FA Cup third round replays happening this week. But my mind is, is going towards the FA Cup fourth round. And our team, Fulham, will be playing against Newcastle United. Now... That game takes on even more importance suddenly for Eddie Howe. If Fulham knock Newcastle out of the FA Cup next Saturday, that's their chance to silverware gone for this season, right? Mm. And I find the timing very unkind on Eddie Howe here. Because, suspicious, you might say. Oh, mate. It's, it's, it's quite cruel, really. Um, because... As soon as Newcastle lose that game, <laughs> maybe I'm getting a bit carried away here, but if they do lose that game, of course, the, the next thing you're saying is, right, well, that's it. He's probably taken this club as far as he can. Um, what next? The next thing will be Jose Mourinho. So, Eddie Howe, it's interesting because yesterday I spoke to somebody, and by yesterday, I mean the day before uh, Jose Mourinho was sacked, in case you're listening to this at a later date. Um, and... Somebody was talking to me about Eddie Howe and they said, look, Eddie Howe's situation is getting very interesting right now and he's not about to be sacked, but he'll do very well to get beyond the summer. And you think, blimey, if that was the feeling before Jose Mourinho became available and they are on a run of, I think, two wins in their last 10 and I think the two wins were against 10-man Fulham and against Championship Sunderland, this isn't a great time. Obviously, getting knocked out of Europe as well along the way. They've really lost their way in, in the Premier League in terms of staying amongst the, the Champions League spots. So Eddie Howe, who has done really well, and actually the fan base is still completely behind him, is under pressure here. And suddenly, I'm kind of loving the idea of a Mourinho return to the Premier League. And I never thought I would say that. But I just feel like this is the place, mate. The club that is obviously got ridiculous ambition. They already consider themselves to be basically um, up there with the elite now because of the amount of money that they've got behind them. And you can see the fan base growing in expectation and ego too, to be honest, when you see how they're they're kind of acting at, at games at the moment and they've got this self-confidence despite the fact they haven't won a major trophy since 1955. 
Well, Jose Mourinho is the guy that you would probably turn to because he has that mentality that's different. He can bring in the superstar players. He could bring silverware. And I think I've touched on before here that, you know, the fact that his old mentor, Bobby Robson, was at Newcastle, there is also that emotional pull to go and do it for Bobby Robson. Let's just get, come and finish this job and actually get Newcastle to the promised land. And I'll be the one that does that for you. I'll, I'll take that on my shoulders, guys. And so I do find that narrative, mate, to be very, very intriguing. And it, I, I don't love Mourinho as a person. We all know that. And if I was I to do, rank when the he's worst in interviews... In, I do when he's not in England. <laughs> well, if I, I actually rank... want him nowhere near the Premier League and he's he, he, then he becomes one of the most effusive, interesting characters Maybe. on the planet. Yeah, like as a, to rank the worst interviews I've ever done. I mean, Mourinho was right up there. One-on-one uh, one I had with him at Bleacher Report. I mean, I sometimes still want to have nightmares about it um, just to bring me back to earth and remember how, how life can get because it was just such an awkward moment that he put me through. Um but nevertheless, I can't hold that against him for the rest of my life. No, and uh, I, if Eddie Howe goes, that's the way to go as far as I'm concerned. Get Mourinho in for the job. It'll be very interesting. It'll be very interesting. And I, I, you know what? I do really like that Bobby Robson link. I think that's nice. No, I hadn't really considered that. But that narrative I can absolutely get on board with. Um, mm. Look, obviously Roma have appointed Daniele De Rossi who is a club legend, came through the academy at Trigoria. He went on to become, I think, the Caps, the club's second most cap player after Francesco Totti. He played for the club for 18 years. And, you know, the announcement was really nice. It was he's coming home as head coach. He's really excited to be part of it. I, you know, and his interview is very much, I will give everything I have to the club I love, et cetera, et cetera. Fine. And I think if you're going to replace someone like Mourinho at Roma, this is someone that the fans will get behind. There was some incredible scenes outside the training ground today where you saw Mourinho crying in his car, fans around the car crying, saying, we love you, we love you. He will go down, I think, as someone beloved by most of the match-going Roma fan right. base. So Ooh. that's an interesting place to be in, considering the results haven't been great. I do have major concerns about De Rossi as a manager. He was <laughs> in charge of Spal. And he won three games in 17 in Serie B and was sacked after about four months. He was an assistant to Mancini at Euro 2020. So obviously Italy won that tournament and it was a side that worked incredibly well. And he's worked in some interesting setups with the Italy national team. But that spell spell really, really does haunt me a bit. It was one of those moves that I remember being quite excited for when I saw it and was like, oh, it's an interesting place for him to start his managerial career. And it was over before it began in, in so many ways. So the track record isn't great. There is an element of the fan base will buy into this at least until the end of the season. So I can understand why they've done it. But it doesn't make huge amounts of sense to me in that you probably just see out the contract with Mourinho. I can't imagine it's going to get immediately loads better. It's no. not like Roma have silverware left to, to really play for, apart from the conference league, which we know that Mourinho has already won. Obviously, they would like to improve their league position and push back into those Champions League spots, but it looks like a big ask right now, especially with the performance against Milan at the weekend. I don't know. I'm, I'm just not completely sold on it. And I think that, What's also interesting is that if this had happened two weeks ago, I think Mourinho would be in the Brazil job. 
And as it stands, Dorival Jr. took that job. It's kind of been settled. That's done now. That job is closed down. There is no job in international football that I can see Mourinho biting at right now. The Portugal job changed hands after the World Cup. That one seems pretty set considering the job that Martinez has done there. It does make me worry that the only move here is Saudi Arabia, and I would that would make me sad. Oh there is also the option if he wants to take it, and I'm not saying he does, but you know it's it's there, and I'd like to put it on the table. If Jose is listening, the Ireland job is available, <laughs> and it would be really good if he took that. That would be nice. I'd like that. Yeah, we're also looking for a long-term rank god replacement. So if you're any good at rankings, um, maybe just come and pop on here. Um, just kidding. No one could replace the rank god. It's it's irreplaceable job, and that's why we haven't replaced him. <laughs> yeah, we did. we didn't replace him. No, so. Hello, it's 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 just an open spot. One day he'll return. Um, but look, it's it's a it's a big story. Um, it's probably done the transfer window a favour because um, so little has been happening of significance that at least there's something to be talking about uh, in the wider football world today. And uh, Jose Mourinho. Uh, third season sacking is seems to be um, as good a place as any to to end that story. Credit to you because I actually gave Mourinho about four or five months, I think, initially when he took that Roma job, uh, and you said no, this will work. And I guess when you look at the overall picture, it did. It mostly worked. I don't mostly. think it was a complete success, no. but I think he managed to win over a fan base that were, you know, a little bit critical at the time. I think there was obviously some excitement about the fact that Mourinho had come into the club, but there was also a lot of, oh, is this going to work? Obviously his relationship with Inter. There's lots of different things there that might have turned this on its head. Mm. And he earned that love and respect from the Roma fan base. And I don't think that will ever go away. So I suppose in that regard, you can regard it as a success. League finishes, I would say, have been slightly disappointing. But to reach two European, record, 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 record exactly on point. But to reach two European finals in his two full seasons, winning one and losing the other on penalties, that's not bad going for a team that have been starved of silverware. Yeah, true. He is quite good at that, isn't he, getting to cup finals. Again, that's why he's going to go to Newcastle. <laughs> it all comes back round to that. Okay, right. In part two, we're going to be talking about some players who need a move in this January window because their careers have stalled and they need that move to really ignite themselves. We're worrying it. We're calling it careers that are in real danger. We'll be back after the break. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Ranks FC. It's a little bit of a different ranking this week for our main segment. We've actually picked three players each to talk about in this part two. Dean's picked three players from the Premier League whose careers are stuttering. And I've picked three from the rest of the world who really need that move in January to reignite their careers. We're going to go one each, shall we, DJ? Take, yeah, take, we'll take it in turns. turns. Take it in turns. Who's your first one? The first player I want to talk about is Aaron Ramsdale. Um, and now all the players I'm going to talk about here are in their 20s. And so when we talk about careers at risk, I do genuinely mean it. Like, I know it sounds like a bit dramatic to say that Aaron Ramsdale's entire career is at risk in this moment. I mean, his top level career might be. I think so, mate, because he's 25 years old and he's obviously been ousted as Arsenal's number one, despite the fact that Arteta said 
he'd have a fair crack at competing with Raya for the the regular number one position. But Raya is the first choice. There's no doubt about it. And Ramsdale said, uh, you know, two, three months ago that he would have to consider what to do in the second half of the season. And he had to consider um, his propositions of getting into that England squad for the Euros and all the rest of it. As it stands right now, like Arsenal haven't actually had any offers made for Aaron Ramsdale. But I know that they are bracing themselves for some interest around them as we get towards the last couple of weeks. All it really takes is an injury to a big club's goalkeeper for that. That That's the first door you're going to knock on, isn't it? If your goalkeeper gets injured in the next two weeks, you go to Arsenal and you say, we want Aaron Ramsdale for the rest of the season. And then he's got a decision to make and he needs to be playing football. Um, He has got ongoing concerns about the Euros and rightly so, because when you look at it right now, Pickford is obviously the first choice for Gareth Southgate. But beyond that, you even got Sam Johnston competing now to become the number two because he's getting regular football. And when Nick Pope's back fit again, which will be by the end of the season, he'll have his place back back to Newcastle. Yeah. Yeah, so it, I can Unless understand... Ramsdale goes to Newcastle. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Arsenal are going to allow him to go to Newcastle. I think that that one's pretty clear at the moment. But this is a really interesting moment for Aaron Ramsdale. And I wouldn't usually encourage players to throw their toys out of the pram and like make a transfer request. In the case of Aaron Ramsdale, I encourage it because I think he needs to. I think he needs to get a little bit selfish here he seems like a selfless lad and you see him mostly on the bench seeming like he's happy to go along with it. He seems like a very nice person generally. Um, I believe he even has his uh, haircut at the same place as me, mate, which obviously makes him... Um, That's a long drive from North London. I'll give you that Top baller with a top barnet. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's all the time, but they, they said he has been in there before. Uh, so I've actually stopped going there, so I don't know what that says about me or him. But um, nevertheless, we'll get off of the haircuts. And uh, yeah, it's interesting that he's in this predicament whereby... I understand it being hard to walk away because Arsenal are a side now with a higher status in the game, particularly in England. And I also understand that the type of offer he takes would have to be taken with caution because, I mean, the last club he was properly linked to was Wolves. And I'm not sure that... Is that good or bad for him? I don't. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen right now, but like, is that level of club a good thing for Aaron Ramsdale right now? Or a bad thing. This is what I mean by his career is at risk. Because one misstep here from Arsenal could take him down a couple of notches. And it's really difficult as a goalkeeper, I'm sure, to manage your career. You're so in your own head. You've got basically you, your agent and your family deciding what you're going to do. And it's all on you. If you're a a forward or a midfielder or whatever, like you've got more opportunities to get back into the team. You've got various roles that you could try to play and one goal, one assist, something like that can catapult you back into the thinking very quickly. You win over the fans, whatever. Aaron Ramsdale, it just feels like even if he had a game next week, made four worldy saves, didn't misplace a pass, David Ray would be back in the next week anyway. And I don't like this. And I think that Aaron Ramsdale should be pushing for a transfer 
before deadline day. And I think it will be interesting to see what he does um, if a club comes calling, because at the moment there are no signs of him actually doing that. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't feel like he's forcing the issue. But I do think that, you know, all the noises coming out of the Emirates have suggested that Arsenal are going to make that move for Raya permanent. They're going to you know secure him as that number one. And whilst oh, yeah. there have been question marks, Arteta is someone who believes in his own source, right? He he knows what he wants and he is going to stick by his guns in, in this regard because he feels like he's got the man he wants between the sticks. And look, I think Raya has underperformed a tad. I think he probably overperformed a tad at Brentford. I don't think there's loads between these two goalkeepers, but if you were asking me to pick one and say, this is the player I would have, I probably would err uh, towards David Raya. I think he is slightly the better keeper. And so I can understand Arteta's thinking, but it did feel like a strange move at the time, given that you know relative lack of disparity between the two. And then it leaves Ramsden in a situation where you know he might not force his way out right now. He might get to the summer and be like, hang on, this is not where I want to be. We heard all the chat from Arteta that he was willing to change goalkeepers halfway through a game if necessary. We've seen very little of that in practice. And so it leaves Ramsden in a slightly weird predicament where I think that, yes, he probably does need a move. Do I think moving to Wolves right now is the move? Probably not. Just in terms of where they are and where he sees himself. Weirdly, the Newcastle move, feels like the kind of right step for him. But if Arsenal aren't going to make that happen or let that happen, it's going to be a difficult one. Yeah. Maybe the move is abroad. But then we know what Southgate's thinking is on players who go abroad and they, they tend to be taken out of squads or not looked at because that isn't translating properly for Yeah, and doing that short term is always difficult as well. Um, you've got to adjust to a lot of things. You've only got four months really to make an impact anyway. You've got to settle into it all, speak a new language potentially. Like Six months for Aaron Ramsdale, a Barcelona, whilst Ter Stegen's injured. Bosh, done, <laughs> done. finished. Um, right. Actually, weirdly, Roma would be a really nice space for him to end up because I don't think Coipatissio is all that. And Miles Villar has definitely not been brilliant since he's come in either. So yeah, um, yeah. an interesting one. Him. And there's there's an English contingent there that he could he could get on board with. Um, let's go to Serie A for my first pick, and I'm going to Inter and Stefano Sensi, who is 28 years old, but since coming back from a loan at Monza last summer, he has made zero starts and played just 65 minutes for Inter this season. Now, anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a long time knows how much I love Stefano Sensi. And some of this is just free my guy Stefano. But I think that there is an element here where he played 30 times for Monza across all competitions last year. And although his production return wasn't great, he helped them overachieve. He ranked third in Serie A for progressive passes per 90 minutes and fourth for passes in the final third. For a player that plays a little bit deeper in a mid-table team, that's really, really decent numbers. And that eye for a pass and the ability to make things happen has been a kind of constant throughout Sensi's career. And I think that what we're seeing here is, is a versatile player. He's played six at times. I don't think that's necessarily his, his best role because he's not that physical, although he's a very, very good tackler or something quite underappreciated in his game. We talked about this with David Silver on Monday's post box. And someone was saying he was really underappreciated in what he put in in the middle of the park. I think Sensi's quite similar, 
but physically he's obviously not the biggest and and those duels especially aerially might be might be something to concern teams if they were looking at him as a number six but as an eight and a progressive passer I don't think there's many better he has that ability his injury record might be a slight concern but he didn't miss all that much last season I think he missed six seven games for Monza across the course of of the season with a couple of minor injuries but it's been something that has plagued him throughout his career maybe he's got to the bottom of that now and, and and got through it. But just someone who kind of should be in their peak, there's talk of a £2 million fee. I think clubs should be snapping at this, although he does only have six months left on his contract. The obvious link is the one to Leicester City. Enzo Maresca identified him as a player he likes. I'm not surprised by that at all because since he shone for Sassuolo, who at the time were managed by Roberto De Zerbi, and given the friendship between Maresca and De Zerbi, you'd imagine they would have been able to have a conversation and get a reference point on, on this one. So I think that that makes sense. If Leicester can afford it, there's question marks over whether actually they have the financial capacity to, to do that right now, especially when there's talk of him leaving on a free in the summer. But I think this would be a really smart move for Leicester. And I, I think that Sensi is someone who, even if that move does fall through, there should be plenty of clubs looking at not just maybe in the, the top of the championship, but also in that sort of mid-tier premiership range, or Premier League range, or the teams in La Liga, because there is that element in his game that I think really would suit a side who are technically, technical and ball dominant. So for this kind of price, I think that there should be far more teams looking at Stefano Sensi right now, including Barcelona, who really could do with some midfield depth and don't have any money. So two million might mm. just about be okay for them. Mm. I mean, you have a better reading of, of where his career should be right now uh, in terms of the status that he holds in the game. Do you feel that he's not where he hasn't reached where he should have been? Um, look, I mean, his, he was an instant, Italy international as recently as 2022. So there have been elements. I, I don't think Stefano Sensi is a world beater. I don't think that any of the top six, seven clubs in the Premier League should be looking at him, especially with those concerns over physicality. But I do think that on the ball, there are few as technically gifted and with that eye for a pass as the Italians. So when you're kind of looking at where he fits... I'm not suggesting that Newcastle go out and, and, and he's the answer to their problems in midfield because I am concerned a little bit about that shift of physicality to the Premier League. But I do think a mid-table Premier League team could take a punt and for this kind of price, it's not the end of the world. Or yeah. I think he could probably play a little bit higher up somewhere where maybe that physicality isn't quite as pronounced, maybe in La Liga or even somewhere like the Eredivisie there feels like there's an option here for someone to pick up an incredibly good ball player who is in or should be in the peak of his career and turn him into a centerpiece of their team because he has that in his locker. Yeah, fair enough, mate. That's very interesting. I'll move on to my second player now. Uh, I'm actually going to talk about Anthony Martial, who is incredibly 28 years old. Um when I was looking into Martial last night, I was like, oh, before I look up his age, how old do I think he is? It's like, he's got to be 30 this year. He's got to be. You know? I mean, you're only a year out, effectively. But he's <laughs> 28, like, he's this 28. Year. He'll be 29 this year, right? But you forget, like, because he's been at Man United for so long and he was brought through as the next 
Well, I don't know. What, Thierry what Henry. There was a lot I of mean, Thierry Henry is, chat. Mate, they genuinely, yeah, there genuinely was Thierry Henry chat. I mean, he's still not as good as Thierry Henry. And like, literally, if they were to both gone to a football pitch today, like Thierry Henry is still better than Anthony Martial <laughs> at whatever age that he is right now. Um, and I'm not even joking. He, he genuinely would be. Um, but yeah, Martial. Oh my goodness, mate. His birthday is the same day as mine. There you go. Not the same year, granted. He's just turned 28. Not the same year. Wow. I mean, I've got to stop knocking him because I didn't realise we were we were birth buddies. Um, 5th of December, 1995, Anthony Martial uh, was born. Yeah, so he's 28 right now. Mate, when he made that switch from Monaco in 2015... Fifty million pounds, uh, you know, fifty million down the drain. Tony Marshall scores again. The United fans did take to him. They really did support this guy. And to be honest, I think they've done a pretty jo- good job most of the time of sticking by him through the years because I'm not sure it's been wholly deserved. But he needs to leave Man United and like leave now. Like I don't understand why he's going to drag this out for another six months. At Man United. So the word is on this right now is that there has been some interest for Martial, but not the kind of clubs that he's particularly interested in joining. Now, one that was, um, I think Marseille were one of the clubs, Fenerbahce, there's interest from Saudi Arabia. I know none of those are probably the sort of club that Anthony Martial had been expecting to be playing for at the age of 28. But I also think that he has to, across the rest of this transfer window, continue to look for a new home, even if it's within England. And I'm told that actually that probably will happen because while um, the general narrative around Martial in the media right now is that he's staying, he's not going to leave Man United. I've heard there might be one more push. And you think of clubs like West Ham, maybe Crystal Palace, who are going to be on the lookout for a loan or a low value forward to come in for uh, this season. Martial might actually not be the worst option in the world. I'm not saying he's going to be a convincing option by any stretch of the imagination because we know that this guy is so inconsistent and you don't know what we're going to get from him. But he is a good footballer and I just feel like he should have more about him right now, more ambition and drive to go and find a club that actually suits him. I think when you see like Jaden Sancho clearly helped drive the move back to Borussia Dortmund and you see that like whatever his reasonings for things not working out at Man United and well a lot of the blame definitely is with Ten Hag's management I'm sure that there are there have been times I think there's when, definitely two sides to that story but yes yeah, I agree so I'm with not, you I'm not letting Sancho uh offer that one but he is now out of there and he is on loan back at a club where he feels happy and feels that he'll get back to his best. And I mean, Martial's loans haven't, well, his loan at Sevilla didn't go very well, did it? When he did try to do this last time around, I don't, I don't think he scored a goal when he was on loan at Sevilla. He's, he um, he scored one, but not in the league. He scored one in, in, the, in the Europa League, I think. Oh, okay. Um, it's just so frustrating because the reason I feel like his career is in crisis beyond the obvious of things not working out at Man United is that because he's only 28 there's still time to salvage this and I don't have any faith in him doing that I just Mm. feel like he's 
I hate using this term because it feels so lazy as a journalist, but his body language just never convinces me that he actually wants to do well. And that can't be true. That no, cannot I, I, be true. I don't, I don't buy that. I think that there are certain players who are languid who get taken with this with this kind of brush, if you will, that I think is 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 slightly unfair. But I will say that the suggestion that he does he wants to stay and doesn't want to, you know, try and move on and and, and actually reignite this career feels like more of a a red flag for me than actually any sort of body language chat. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the reason for the body language being a concern is because he didn't used to have it. Like when he first went to United, he wasn't, I, I don't remember him being like that. Um, maybe that's youthfulness. Maybe that's just a way that he's changed his game. Could be. Um, but for whatever reason, he's not come close for me to living up to that £50 million price tag. He's had moments, no doubt about it. Like through the years, he's also, had his moments. they definitely didn't pay £50 million. <laughs> I think it was 36 <laughs> I know that was the song, but I'm like 99% sure it was about 35 million. Really? Yeah. Unless, well, unless he reached all of the add-ons. He did, I can't yeah. See He's that. been there a long time, mate. Like, yeah, but what the add-ons surely were to do with goals. No, the <laughs> they goals... They were surely to do with, with, with kind of elements of, of what he would achieve in his career. I don't mate, think those things have been achieved. The other thing that people don't really contemplate when they, they realise with, with players as they see through their contracts as well is like the uplift that they get on these contracts year on year on year on year. And Martial. Where you go, actually, I've just, I've just read this for, it ended up being 44.7 million. There were three bonus clauses worth 7.2 million pounds each. And it was potentially 57 million if they were all met, but only two of them were met. So 44 million. It's 50 million pound. I mean, when you take everything else into account, above and beyond, think what he's earned in wages over the last eight years at Man United as well. One of, the, like, one of, the, one of them was winning the Ballon d'Or. Um, exactly. He didn't like, win that one. They didn't have to pay that bonus. That's how much this guy has underachieved. The fact that was even a consideration when they, they signed him. Um, absolutely ludicrous. But what do you give him the chances, mate, of actually fulfilling his potential well, as in, if the potential was Ballon d'Or winner, I think the chances no, no, are very, very small. No, not Ballon d'Or, but I mean, a like realistic that, potential from here of actually being a, a... I would love to go and see Anthony Martial go and smash it somewhere else. I, I'm worried about the consistent and persistent injuries that seem to plague him and have seemed to plague him for years and whether anyone can actually get any sort of longevity out of him or a run of games without that flaring up again. That's my main concern. But I, I agree with you. I think the talent's there. I just feel like... He needs to want it. And that's the the question to mark of whether he want. you know, I, I, like you say, I think the Sancho comparison is a good one because whilst obviously that situation was far more toxic and far more, you know, clean cut as terms of getting game time, etc. That feeling that Sancho was like, I need to do something to get going again. It, it, it's kind of shines through and you watch that first interview with Borussia Dortmund. Now, whether that works or not is a different question, but like that intent, Felt like it was there. And I don't know what the intent is around this because obviously Martial, there is an element here where people will say and be listening to this going, well, what if he can get going in this six months at Manchester United and and make it happen? But they've already said they're not going to renew his contract. So what does that leave him at this point? I don't know, but a six month loan deal or whatever that might look like might just be the key. Even if it's to a club that he's like, okay, I actually feel like my sight should be aimed higher than that might give him the opportunity when he's a free agent in the summer for those clubs that he does feel like, you know, are worthy of him playing for 
actually come to fruition instead of him being a bit of a, oh, is someone going to take a risk? Yeah, the best thing that will come out of Anthony Martial's time at Man United will be the book he one day writes about what he has seen over the course of his time at United since 2015. He has seen so much. He's seen so many different versions of Man United. So many disasters happened. And like people do, I think, just throw Anthony Martial into the fire that is Man United because he's kind of epitomizes everything that's been wrong about the club that people would say, but he's probably been a victim of the culture during the time. Like he landed at Man United probably at the worst period you could ever have arrived and tried to tried to overcome all the waves and maybe deserve some credit for that. But Oh yeah. The resilience at this point to, to actually ride it out of Manchester United yeah, over these last few point, years has been there. It's but, done, mate. It's done. Yeah. Well, talking of Jaden Sancho, I actually want to go to Borussia Dortmund for my second pick. And I, I want to talk about Gio Reyna because it feels a bit mad to put a 21-year-old into this point. But it feels mm. like Gio Reyna's career is at a crossroads. Yes, he's back in the USMNT setup and the issues surrounding him and Bahalter at the last World Cup, they seem to have been left behind. But he's really struggling for minutes at club level. He started one Bundesliga game for Dortmund this season and it's hardly like... Borussia Dortmund have been out there pulling up trees under Edin Terzic. This has been, by all accounts, a pretty poor season domestically. Yes, they've been good in the Champions League, but domestically, it's been big question marks. A total of 320 minutes across the course of this season is not enough for a player who should be growing and coming into themselves at this point in their career. He was supposed to be Sancho's replacement. It's easy to forget that. But the Englishman's return fires him further down that pecking order at Borussia Dortmund. So he's now behind Bino Gittens, Daniel Marlin, Karamadi Amy, Marco Royce, Julian Brandt and Sancho in terms of where that order looks like. Yeah. Obviously, he's incredibly versatile, but the messages coming out of the club in the last couple of days are hardly all that promising. There was one saying he needs to step on the gas from Watska about, you know, if he wants to get back in this team. And there's loads of reports that he's unhappy with a lack of game time, which is really adding to this narrative that he could leave. I think that whilst he was the Bundesliga's best super sub last year, and he obviously made a lot of important impacts across the course of the season, I just don't see where this goes for Gio Reyna right now. And I'm going to put it out there. I think he should leave Borussia Dortmund. So we've seen... Americans starting to thrive in Serie A. Mm. Pulisic, McKenney, Gio Reyna to an, an Italian club. Like, would, would, could that help fix this? Maybe. I, I think some interesting stuff that he's talked about. He was on Tim Ream's podcast um, the other week, and he was basically talking about the fact that his favoured position is a number 10 ahead of two defensive midfielders. Now, he's played all over the place for Borussia Dortmund this season, and when he played out on the left which was his only start against Eintracht Frankfurt. They were 2-0 down at half time, and he was pulled. So I think there is a sentiment there. Terzic has said that he thinks his best position is a 10 as well. So I think that he has to be very careful about where he goes in terms of what teams look like in those areas. He, he needs to go to a team that plays with an out-and-out number 10 that is going to give him the space to grow in the position that he wants to grow in. It's the, it's the position he's been excellent in for the USMNT since that change in their formation, right? And, and he has shone in that central role. But he does need to be pretty specific, I think, about what this looks like 
for him mm. and, and what the team he goes to end up, you know, being able to offer him in terms of both minutes and actual, you know, the position he wants to play. Because there's no point in him signing for a team that play five at the back, you know, and, and three in the middle and, and they're all, you know, sort of number eights and two up top because there's no space for him. There's no space for him at Roma is basically what I'm saying there. But yeah. when you kind of look at the teams at the top of Serie A or the teams that maybe he would look to join, a lot of them do not play with an out and out 10. And that makes it difficult to kind of pick a destination for him that's going to suit him. But I do think that there will be teams looking at this. I wonder if Fiorentina could come into the picture here, even if it's a loan deal for six months. Now, Jack Bonaventura has done a great job there and he, you know, has, has, has had a sensational season. But equally, he can play in a number of roles. Maybe he drops further back into this midfield. Maybe there's opportunities there. I think that he needs to be a little bit maybe humble in the team that he picks here. It might be a step-down move that allows him to just re-flourish in a space that he's happy in. But he needs to just be careful with where he goes because I think that another wrong move here could spell a real kind of spiral in in, in Reina's position. It's really easy to get this one wrong. Um, yes. Marseille are linked. Um and I think Liga, like he should be great in Liga, but you got to get the right Marseille manager. Marseille is also well. a wild club. It's a wild club with a wild manager because it's Gennaro Gattuso. And maybe he would be the right man, but it's really important that he is. And like having a hot-headed manager, I don't know if that's if that's the kind of way that, that Reina is going to thrive. Who knows? But you're right, the club as a whole is is always turbulent. And Sevilla linked as well. Again, I'd be avoiding Sevilla like the plague right now because the club feels like it's in absolute crisis. And I don't think that's the kind of team you want to join. Mm. I do wonder if he maybe would fit at Thiago Motta's Bologna, who do play with a 10 on paper at the very least, although their midfielders are asked to do lots of different things. I wonder if that's the kind of move we've obviously seen a couple of very young players come in and shine in this team. And also, I think that they're overachieving at the moment. So there is that element that it's a pretty happy camp to come into. You know, we talk about body language and, you know, players. There's obviously been question marks over over Reina's commitment or, or ability to, to put himself in and, and make sure he's working hard for those spaces. I think he has to be very careful here. But I do think he needs to get out of Dortmund this January, even if that's on loan, to just reignite his stock. Because mm. with Sancho in there, that's one thing. But... Sancho probably isn't going to sign for Borussia Dortmund in the summer. So if he goes out and shines somewhere else, maybe that's an opportunity for him to come back in and make his mark. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right, I'll move on to my third and final one, a player that, oh, his career looks in a little bit of jeopardy right now. It's Ben Godfrey, who is at Everton. Uh, I find this wild, name. by the way. I find it wild that like two years ago, he was recognised as one of the best young defenders in the Premier League and now he can't get a game for an Everton side struggling at the bottom of the table. Yeah, and I think this is what it comes down to. He's played two games so far this season and he can't get in the team because of Tarkovsky and Jared Branthwaite. At the yeah, heart two very the good players, defense. by the way. So Two that's very fine. good players and that's been his main obstacle. Now, a talk of a transfer has been there for a while, particularly links with Tottenham, which are true. They're real. They have, uh, they've had a level of interest in him. I'm not sure that that is going to happen this month. But there's also a lot of talk that Everton actually don't want to lose him. I want him to actually sign a new contract. Now, for me, like that is 
at first puzzling, but then I'm like, okay, well, we have to also consider here that Everton are realistic about the fact that they're going to get some big bids for Branthwaite soon. Man United, for example, really like Branthwaite. I think Real Madrid were even linked the other day with, with Jared Branthwaite. Um, and so once you get a level of club circling, um, like vultures preparing to nab one of your players, you need contingency plans. And maybe it's that Ben Godfrey would step straight back into the team with Branthwaite gone. That could be part of this, but... If that's the case and he is going to sign a new deal, he's got to be 100% certain that that is going to pay off. This is a player that they paid £25 million for in 2020. Um, got a surprise call up um, for England for Euro 2020, which was, of course, actually played in 2021. Actually, it was the same time he got his call up as Aaron Ramsdale, who we talked about earlier. He's gone on to get a couple of caps for England, but just is not getting anything like the sort of game time that he should be getting at this stage of his career at 26 years old and genuinely one of the best English defenders around. Like There should be loads of clubs looking to get Ben Godfrey out of there right now. And, well, career in crisis, no. But big career decision to ensure there isn't a crisis, yes. Crossroads. Because, right, yeah, right on the brink here. Everton deal or push for a transfer, that is going to define how he does. And the decision to say Everton as they could be good if Branthwaite does go. But if he doesn't and you're still stuck there, what happens? Yeah, I really like Ben Godfrey. I think he's a really interesting footballer. And I think that when he's played and had game time, he's been pretty solid, pretty reliable. I don't think at this point in his career... 26, as you say now, he should be Everton's third choice centre-half. I think he has to be going out and getting those minutes and making making sure that if he isn't in the picture for, for this Euros, and I don't think he's going to be, then at least he's thinking about starting to be back in the conversation ahead of the 2026 World Cup, where, as we say, 28, we talked about 70, that should be sort of prime age. You know, you've mm. gone through the, the, the knocks in your career, you're starting to get into that period where you, you understand and you you adapt to different situations. Ben Godfrey should have his eyes on that World Cup and be thinking, hang on, when I've played in the Premier League, I've been respected, I've got those England caps, and now I'm stuck here behind a player that's younger than me and a player that's older than me. So I'm I'm in the middle. I'm kind of the, the odd man out in some ways. Yeah. And I need to make sure that whatever this move is, it's one that guarantees me game time. And that's the one I worry about with Spurs, who obviously do have that long-standing interest. You know, they've obviously just signed Dragosam. Christian Romero is what, vice club captain. Mickey van der Ven has come in and been absolutely brilliant. Is Ben Godfrey going to go in and walk into that Spurs team right now? I have my question marks. I think he might need to make a move somewhere where he is going to be immediate first-choice starter for the sake of his career. But I, I agree. I think this is a big, big decision for Ben Godfrey. Yeah, absolutely. And again, like part of the Branthwaite argument will be, well, if Everton are in such financial disarray that they need to end up selling a young star, then obviously Branthwaite is going to be one of the players that commands the most money. And again, if he moves on, then they could just slot Godfrey back into the team. But he does need to be absolutely positive that that's what's going to happen. So yeah, big one. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, final one. Final one for me is Jota. The one who was at Celtic and now is uh, Al Itihad. It's so hard to talk about Jota without saying any first name before because you say Jota and everyone's like, Diego Jota? No. The other well, one. 
Yeah, I told a story about this before. Um, Jostra just means Jay in Portuguese. It's a oh. nickname. It's not actually his name. Oh. It just, it's just name? The, it's the word for the letter J. His name is João Philippe. He's, that's, you know, but if you say that, then you start talking about loads of different players. He also has, well, he's João Pedro Neves Philippe. So João Neves is obviously a player coming through at Benfica. Basically, oh, everyone's man. got the same names. It's complicated. It's, just, it's a thing that happens. Anyway, he's Jota. He's always been Jota. We've called him Jota V3 on this podcast before because obviously there was Jota, who was at Brentford and Birmingham, and then there was Diogo Jota, and then there was this Jota. So <laughs> that's, that's that cleared up. And that's the end of the show. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, thanks, everyone, for listening. <laughs> um, so obviously he reignited his career at Celtic after basically failing to break the first team at Benfica. He went out to Valladolid on loan. He didn't do brilliantly. He came to Celtic on loan, was brilliant, and then signed for Celtic permanently and was brilliant again. And it convinced Al-Itihad to make a £25 million move for him in the summer. It was a big move. It was a big money move for Celtic to actually get that to get that financial bonus. But to say this hasn't gone to plan is maybe the world's biggest understatement. So he's clearly not in the plans, even under new manager Marcelo Gallardo. And this is important because... Earlier in the season, he made just five appearances in the Saudi Pro League. And then at the end of the transfer window, Nuno Espirito Santo, who was the manager at the time, decided he wasn't going to register him because he already had eight other foreign-based players, which is the quota in the Saudi Pro League. So he didn't get registered. So when Gallardo came in, didn't have opportunities in the Pro League to actually show his worth. But he got those opportunities in the AFC Champions League and the Club World Cup. And to be honest... He did okay. He did okay. He scored a goal in his final Champions League game. But now he's been excluded from the club's Dubai camp, which suggests that he's not in the new manager's plans either. And at 24 years old, with a very, very impressive stint at Celtic on, you know, under his belt, there should be loads of interest in Jota right now. Now, the question is, is 25 million going to be way too much to recoup? Probably. Um, and he's also on 200k a week wages. So it leaves him a little bit stuck in this window because I don't think anyone's going to cover that in terms of in, in terms of in full, especially given the financial situations that are swirling right now around Europe. But I would say the difference between this and someone like Jordan Henderson, where basically they were like, we're not going to loan him because why would we cover wages for a player we want to have on the books? The difference with Alitiad is they clearly have no place for Jota in the plans this season. So they might be more open to sanctioning a loan to take some of that money off their hands at the very least. But there should be so much interest in Jota. Now, there's been a little bit of talk about West Ham trying to cover that void while Mohamed Kadus is away at the African Cup of Nations. But I'd wonder if he actually needs somewhere where he's going to get that fresh start and make sure that he's firmly in the plans full stop for the rest of this season. It's one thing going to West Ham, playing four games and then being bombed out because Caduce comes back in and Caduce has been absolutely fantastic and deserves his spot back straight away. There's talk of Ben Rama leaving West Ham as well, but he hasn't been first choice on that left-hand side either. It makes this move quite important. I'm a little bit surprised Brentford aren't involved because this would be the kind of move I think they would make. And also it feels like the kind of caveat that they'd be able to be like okay we're planning forward and we have a lack of options in attack right now but I think that there's a whole host of clubs in the Premier League from sort of ninth down to 15th 
who could do with Jota. He is a very, very, very good footballer. Yeah, and he's that good a footballer that I, he was one of the most disappointing ones for me when he actually went to Saudi. Um, yeah. Because I didn't see why... Like, obviously, he was offered way more money than he was ever going to earn at Celtic and possibly more than he was going to earn from any other transfer um, within Europe. But I just hoped that he wouldn't take it because talent-wise, I think he's not at the elite level that we've seen all of those other players like land in Saudi for big money for, but he's an exceptionally good player. And what he gave Celtic was beyond just um, a playing style. It was a belief that something was going to happen. And players like that are so hard to find. And once, yeah. And like, I feel sorry for the Celtic fans who have lost him and then seen this happen because it's just such a waste of time. At least like Fulham, we lost our best player to Saudi, but at least he's gone on to be one of the best players in the league and he's probably going to win the league and be one of the top goal scorers. Like yeah. at least that, ha- if if Mitro had not played any minutes and was just sat there, I'd be like, I'm so annoyed. Like what? What? This is so, such a waste of time. And that's how it's turned out for Jota. So Get him back, man. Like, I, I hope he can fix this fast. It already feels like it's been too long that he's just been twiddling his thumbs. And whatever the issues, whether it's problems with uh, the, the culture, whether it's problems personally with, with him, whether it's just that he doesn't fit in the squad, whether it's something to do with the, f- the amount of foreign players, it all seems very unclear. But one thing that is clear is it ain't going to work. So it's time to find a new club. Yeah, it was one that I wanted Fulham to explore in the summer and obviously we're priced out there, but I wonder if there's... Yeah, I know uh, West Ham are having a little look at the moment. Um, yeah. And a couple of other teams, but um, yeah, he's got to be careful about where he lands. Free my guy Jota. Uh, I would like, I'd like to see him playing football again. Uh, and I hope that's somewhere interesting. And with that, I think it's probably time for us to close this main segment. We'll be back in part three with some guru wisdom. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Ranks FC. Time for part three and Guru Wisdom. Over to the boys. Guru Wisdom, Guru Wisdom, Guru Wisdom. Yeah, well done, boys. Okay, it's a bit different this week for Guru Wisdom and probably quite a quick one. A bit of a quiz for you, Jack. I want to see how much wisdom you have about me. I've got three questions. They're multiple choice and you'll be able to um, tell me uh, how well you know me. It's not that hard. I think you'll be able to to do it. Um, okay. So first question, which of these four people have I not interviewed? <laughs> Is one of them Jose Mourinho? <laughs> <laughs> Wayne Rooney, Cristiano Ronaldo, Leo Messi, or David Beckham? Mm, I know you've interviewed Rooney. So that one's out. Okay. I don't know if the interview, the, the chat you have with Leo Messi with Sam at the Ballon d'Or counts as an interview. Does that count no. as an interview? No. No, that doesn't count as an interview. I think the answer might be David Beckham. No, it is messy, oh. mate. Oh. It's messy. Yeah, it's messy. Um, Beckham, I've had a couple of um, sit downs with in America um, when he was at Galaxy. So I've interviewed him a couple of times. Uh Ronaldo, I interviewed in his early days at Man United, and the the most high profile time actually I spoke to him was after the wink. Um, I was oh yeah, f- 
first game back. I think it was at Oxford United. I think it was his first game back from a United preseason game, and I had to go down and basically harass him and get some words from him. Uh, and Wayne Rooney, yeah, I've I've done a few times. Um, but yeah, Messi, that's the closest I've ever come with Sam. I didn't know whether that might trick you, and it has. Um, it has tricked me. Yeah, I've never I've never had a, a proper interview with Leo. Well, Messi. He does speak English, really, so that actually probably makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> In hindsight, oh mate, disappointed in you. Right, next one. Which of these four drinks do I not like? Red wine, white wine, whiskey, or beer? Hmm. Well, it's down to two, so that's easy. Yeah. I know you drink red wine, I know you drink beer. So okay. I'm going to say it's whiskey. I don't think you like whiskey. Um, I, I've never correct. seen you have a glass of white, but I've don't, I, I would have guessed that that's more palatable to you. Well, there you there was a there was an opportunity for you to cast your mind back, actually, mate, to one drink we've ever had that had I think it had whiskey in it. Yeah. Remember that Irish coffee? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That we has had whiskey an Irish in it, coffee in, in the streets of Porto. It was quite. Something. I thought it was just a coffee with Bailey's in it, but it turns out it also had whiskey in it, and I, I. Th- could not even the first sip i was like no 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 get it away from me you ended up having two of them um sounds right sounds about right (laughs) oh mate can't handle it cannot handle whiskey like as a drink i don't like it anyway but when i have forced myself to drink it in the past being young and stupid it just changes the person that i am like i just turn into a mute (laughs) you just stop speaking I completely stopped That's not speaking. Normal, mate. There was one time in particular, uh, we were in Newport Beach, California, and we were on a night out with Taylor and all of her friends. It was a really good night out. And we ended up in this, we were all in this Irish bar and uh, everyone's like having these drinks. And then I go to the bar with one of the guys and he's like, he's like, oh, while we're over here, we're doing some extra drinks. I was like, cool. Yeah, let's do it. And so... He's like, right, I'm going to get us both. They all drink Stella out there for some reason. Going to get us both a Stella and uh, two shots. Uh, and then both the shots were whiskey, right? Mate. That was I it. I didn't no realise. No more chat for Dean for the rest of the night. And I didn't realise this was a thing until this moment. And Taylor was like, what's wrong with you? Like, are you annoyed? I'm like, no. She's like, you like have not become part of the group. Like what? You've just turned into a different person. And like the next day she was like, you just didn't talk all night. You just completely disappeared. And um, I was like, must've been the whiskey. She's like, what whiskey? We didn't drink whiskey. I was like, oh, we did. <laughs> we <laughs> we did. did. There you go. Um, yeah. Whiskey band for Dean. Final question, mate, to round off the episode. What was my first ever job? Was it Domino's? Was it a leisure centre cleaner? Was it a home base? Or was it a hairdresser sweeping up? Oh, you've had all four of these jobs. These are all real jobs. I haven't haven't had all four. Haven't you? No. You've had three. I've had three of them. I'm going to go hairdresser sweeping up based on the family (laughs) business. Yeah. I don't think I even got paid for it. But yeah, that would have been the first one. Um, My mum and dad had a hairdressing salon for a long time. And um, my first entry uh, into the world of work was to go and try to be a Saturday boy, which would literally consist of 
going with my mum and oh, I think it was just my dad on Saturday, Saturday to work with him. And it was just like sweep up, like basically all the hair that comes on the floor, yep. just keep yeah. going through throughout the day. You've got to sweep up the hair and you've got to pick up towels and throw it in there. Um, yeah, I think I did it twice and quit. <laughs> <laughs> Quitting on your mum and dad is something. Zero age. work ethic. Yeah. Zero work ethic. Yeah. Which and one actually, haven't you worked at? You haven't worked as a pool. I've been a, leg- I've been a leisure yeah. centre cleaner. No. <laughs> no. Okay, fair enough. I didn't think about. It. The I was I like, that is, this a, is this going to be one to, to, to throw me? Yeah. Well, the reason I put that in actually because I thought it would throw you. A lot, a lot of my friends did do that as their first work experience job at school because they just wanted a nothing job where they could just like mess around at a leisure centre and they would always take on like six people or whatever. Um, so a lot of my mates did do that for their first job, but but not me. There you go. Two out of three ain't bad, as me. Not bad, once mate. Said. Well done. You should have got three, really. Yeah, really. I should have. In hindsight, I've made a missed opportunity, but it is what it is. But look, I hope we've all learned something about Dean in this, <laughs> uh, in this episode of Guru Wisdom. Uh, and with that, I think it's probably time for us to call it a day. So all that's left for me to do is say thank you very much to my co-host, Mr. Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. I've been Jack Collins, Knave of Hearts. This has been Ranks FC. Thank you so much for listening as ever. We'll be back later in the week, ranking the transfer rumors and there's loads of stuff going out on the patreon as well we did a post box looking back at the weekend's club action there's a little episode from me talking about afcon and the asian cup and what's gone on there dean's gonna have a q a on transfers on there as well and of course our friday preview show as ever so loads to look forward to over there the link is in the description as ever if you fancy joining the deeper depths of the rank squad but for now thank you so much for listening and we'll see you very shortly take it easy gang peace final seconds of the game a chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.